Welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back, get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, and welcome to the Leap Into Your Story podcast. You discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that will inspire you to leap into your own story. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. In this episode, we'll be discussing consciousness of art. My guest today is Pat Bennett-Casa, an award-winning artist, art educator, and podcaster who loves to give form to a good idea or story. She incorporates paint, steel, and even words to leap into her story. Her art has received national and international recognition, and she's been awarded the National Percent for Art and General Services Administration Art and Architecture Commissions. She also hosts Feel to Capacity, a podcast for people too stubborn to quit and too creative not to make a difference. So, Pat, Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Victoria, I'm delighted to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Well, I, it's a great pleasure and honor, you know, as we you know we have a lot of things in common. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, let's do this. Before we start going into our topic today and dive into those questions, let's Take us on your journey, how this all got started. In terms of being an artist? Sure. I, I, all I can say is there was never a time that I was not an artist. Never. And when someone said, when did you start making art? I, I can't even remember when I, it just always was. In fact, uh, I went to parochial school in the 50s and 60s, and they had this Baltimore Catechism book where you had to memorize everything. And the first one is, who, who made me? And the answer is supposed to be, God made me to know him, love him, and serve him. And even as a little kid, I said, God made me to know him, love him, serve him, oh, and to be an artist. <laughs> and so, you know, that's it. So that's my story. I, I've just always... Uh, love doing with my hands, telling stories, making art, uh, creating. 
That's awesome. I don't know. I, I did go to Catholic school. They, they usually don't like the smart ass. I don't know. Did you have any problem with that? Whoa. <laughs> I don't think we can go down that road. Okay. As a, as a seventh grader, I remember hitting the ruler on my hands I was and, saying, say. <laughs> and saying, are you done with the, with the front? You want the back? Oh my so goodness. <laughs> it, it wasn't well, okay. Well, let's just say many times creative kids are a bit spirited. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In in the spirited ways that usually the earthly um uh people don't <laughs> generally appreciate, right? Yeah. And asking a ton of questions that you shouldn't be asking. Too many questions. But that is part of being a creative, though, that intellectual curiosity. Not not to say other people don't have that. I'm just saying that creative process, we're constantly questioning everything. The materials we use, the stories we're telling, how we construct things. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're already off to a bang. Nice. <laughs> That could be a whole different podcast in itself. Yes, it could. No doubt about that. So, well, let's talk about, I know you're talking about the the connection between creativity, maybe divinity, kind of um, starting to connect something beyond ourselves. So how, how does that relate to, you know, do you think your inspirations are coming from other artists. I mean, one of the things as an artist myself and ceramics is sometimes you get influenced and it filters through you as your, your own different version. Yeah. But sometimes you get these incredible spark of inspiration and direction. And, you know, is that from something beyond um, what we can see? I think you're asking profound questions about this need, this desire to make art and this, this need to express oneself. And the question of, of um, inspiration, where, where, where does this come from? And when you ask the question about inspiration, what is it? It's asking, what is this transformative power that resides in our creative impulse to do or to be or to say or to make? And I think connected to that is that as artists, we know we are connected to something bigger than ourselves. I, I kind of, uh, I shy away from that whole thing about um, the divinity or that somehow um, artists reside on Mount Genius, waiting for that inspiration and in isolation. Now, maybe because I'm a woman, uh, I, I go about making things, doing things in a more collaborative way I, you know, in the world. And that model of the isolated genius artist always struck me as like, really? <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I think this creative impulse, um, where does it come from? What drives us? I, I'd like to say, I think we're connected to something bigger than ourselves. I'm, like there's that Latin phrase, animus mundi, that which is connected to all. 
And I'm sure you had this feeling or you've done this where you're working on something and you are so connected. And then two hours later, you look at the window and it's dark out and you go, whoa, what the hell happened to that last four hours? So there's a way we enter into the work. And if we're vigilant and humble, the work will show us what it needs to be. Am I answering you? I'm ADD. I can go into ADD car so fast. It'll make your head spin. Okay. Again, like minds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is um, very powerful and great food for thought. Um, you know, it, it, I think definitely, as we discussed a little bit prior, that something does kind of funnel yes. and take us into a different, I'll just say it, realm. Yep. That yep. you lose just track of everything around you. Yep. But I also think, now here's the craziness of being an artist or a writer or, you know, anybody who's, who's making something creatively. In one sense, we control everything in our universe. When I make a painting, I'm creating a little universe or a sculpture. But in order to get there, I have to embrace the mystery. The mystery of this process that I don't have all the answers. And what I think I'm going to do in the painting, that painting's going to kick my ass for about two weeks. It never fails. And then at some point, I can do something, slide, uh, paint, and I see it. I see where the painting's going, and I stop everything. It's not about this is what my painting's going to be. I ask the painting, where are you going? Can I go to? Show me. Show me. But every time, I don't know, I've been making art, what, 50 years, and it starts out the same way. Yes, I'm going to do this painting about X, Y, and Z. And it's almost like the studio's going, really? How many times do we have to go through this? Then I start the painting. I'm, I make these paintings on sheet metal of industrial sites. And I just keep going at it and nothing happens. And all of a sudden, there it is. That surrender to the mystery. Yes. And it usually comes when you aren't looking. Oh, yes. I call that a creative <laughs> ambush. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, as a writer, I told you I'm working simultaneously on two books. Wow. And that I will share with you is my attempt to hijack the ambush. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I know. Well, he, what I found out was when I did my own, my writing, um, my second book, or actually, no, it wasn't my second. I was actually the second and third book. I was working a really high paid, terrible job. Okay. And no sooner I clocked into work, guess what? Download for everything coming, download yep, yep. for everything coming. Yep. So when I would quit the job to go work on the book, guess what? Crickets. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So what I figured out is not necessarily, because I always like put myself in a bad job. I think that was like my fuel for creativity because mm -hmm. I feel so frustrated. I go to, you know, art or writing, but I have figured out it's not about that. 
it's about tricking your brain <laughs> to work on something else. And that something else could also be something wonderful. It doesn't have to be a terrible job. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yes. That's a that's an important so, revelation. Mm -hmm. So and now that's that's what this this dual booking is about. You know, I get stuck on the fiction book. Well, I'll just go right on the memoir because there I you know go. where the at least I know, and that's part of it. We'll talk about when I think part of one of our questions here is, you know, how do you follow what you don't know? Well, the fiction book is a little bit about that, but the nonfiction memoir, I kind of do know where it's going. Yeah. Yep. So I have to bounce between the knowing and the, you know, like the unknowing. Yep. And that yep. does something to fuel you know, a positive motion that gets me out of the stuck mode. Well, you really highlight a key critical point. Every creative person has their own process mm -hmm. and one size does not fit all. So maybe for you being in the terrible job getting downloaded, yep. but then when you come back to write the book, your, you know, crickets are going on. That was your process during the download you can't do anything about it but maybe your brain is worrying away absorbing everything i think everybody has this kind of creative dance that we do uh in in our own art making and it's very personal not one person is similar to the other and i love that i i taught art uh for many years uh art college and art and, and arts high school and I love being around those kids because if I had 15 kids in there, it was like feral cats creatively. <laughs> They're all going in different directions. But I'm artist enough to know to respect that, that they would find their way into their work. I was just a tour guide on the way. So here's some things to think about. Is this working for you? You know, so creative process is also a major part of this discussion as well. Right. And I think it goes back to, you know, finding not only finding your own way, but, you know, sometimes you can, you can ins get inspired from beginner people. Oh, always. Because that's like in my situation I had shared earlier was that, you know, here I had this very well-established ceramics teacher who'd been doing ceramics for 50 years and I had been doing it for like five weeks, you know, yep. <laughs> and he got inspiration from me. Um, yep. And that's something that I like working with say new writers mm -hmm. because, you know, they think that I'm really going to teach them, which is, I might give them the fundamentals to feel comfortable to explore on their own. Yes. But yes. ultimately even if it's not nothing technical, but it's insightful that they can look with things with a fresh eye. And I go, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that. You know, all yeah, the years I've exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always think it's fun. That's why my main core are new writers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a few that got stuck, right. We, and I have to find out where, where their stuckness is and try yep. to work through that. But generally I, I love working with, the the newness yeah of writers oh absolutely i always felt that way uh in the studios uh teaching i loved being around that energy yes. um the questions they would ask were so out of left field and that raw energy and passion and their desire to make and express themselves how can you not 
just want to take that in. I mean, I, I love those kids fiercely. I, I really respected them. I'm not teaching anymore. I stopped teaching a couple years ago. Uh, I do guest lectures um, at colleges and high schools, but um, there's something about that energy. And I agree with you that beginner energy is just, it's, it's just like a, a cold glass of water on a very hot day. Yes. It's just very refreshing on multiple levels. It is. And it reminds me of, you know, when I'm in the corporate world and mm. you know, there's people who want to excel to leadership or just in the job. And, you know, one of the things that I always go back to the selective processes, you know, we can train people on, you know, procedure and you know, soft skills and things, but there's one thing that we cannot add to that person. And that's enthusiasm. Oh, passion, enthusiasm, passion enthusiasm. Yeah. Because even I, you know, I've told people you need to go with the person who's got passion and enthusiasm yep. over the skills sometimes, because it's only a matter of time that those skills will come that, you know, that, yep. uh, the process will come, but the person who knows how to do their job empty as an empty shell, good luck. You can't, there's no way you're going to, there's no money's going to make them enthusiasm. No. So, you know, it's the same, that same kind of drive, that newness, the enthusiasm, the passion um, always trumps, at least in my world over anything else because oh, I, that's yes. something that's internal that doesn't get affected externally and as an art uh as an art teacher i would constantly say to they'd say well what should i do in this painting and i'd say what do you want to do okay. well what should i do here what do you think goes there yeah. and they go you never answer i said <laughs> oh but i do yeah. i do and so the whole message was that don't don't trust other people to guide you. You are the caretaker and the guardian of that incredible talent that's inside of you. You're the caretaker. So be cautious and aware of who you seek information from and choose your mentors carefully. Yes. Oh, you that's a huge, huge thing. It is. It is. Right there. Because when you're young, you're not sure about your creative process. And it's so easy to give your your um, your power away. It is. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's something that I, I think that hasn't been kind of gone over with any of my guests. And Whoa. Yes. Well, and, and shall we just roll up our sleeves for a yes, moment? I know. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I can tell you I was rejected from... 10 graduate schools when I applied for, uh, to grad school. Um, I am a slow learner. I'm ADD and dyslexic. And so I always could see it in my head, but it took me a long time to figure things out. So I sent portfolios to 10 schools and all my friends were getting these scholarships from these big ass important art schools. I was getting rejection letters and I can remember um, there were two schools. I sent a new portfolio to each. And when I called them, because they didn't call me, the professor said, look, maybe art isn't for you. And I had been told that so many times 
that when I did get into grad school on probation, <laughs> I didn't care. I got in. I, I thought that to be an artist, I had to have an MFA. I didn't know better. I just thought that was it. Um, so that's why I worked so hard to do that. But had I listened, had I listened to 10 of those schools and those two professors saying, look, maybe art isn't for you. I'd be very, I'd be a very unhappy human being. Very. And they're official. These are these important schools. And who was I? Hell, I was what, 18? I didn't know anything except my one reason for being on this earth because I was made to be an artist. It wasn't a career. It was a calling. And I kept thinking, what the hell's wrong with these people? Don't they understand? I have to be an artist. They, they don't get it. And, and I, I don't know who gave me that gift to think like that. But um, often younger, younger artists are talked out of things. Yes. And the message is hang tight. When someone says, well, it's not done like that. Really? Watch me. And if they try it and it fails, maybe they'll figure out maybe that process, why people don't like doing it, but that's their information. As creatives, we got to try it. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you really don't want to live a life of regret. No. Even if, even if it doesn't work out, you've done it. Yeah. Things in it that you can learn from and apply it elsewhere. Um, yes. Yeah. And, the, and those are my mistakes. Big, badass mistakes. They're mine. I did that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Go big or go home. That's right. <laughs> well, I figure, you know what? It's not really a mistake unless it's big sometimes. <laughs> True. Because you're like, whoa. You know, I mean, you know, what if somebody told Edison that he would never build a light bulb? You know what I mean? <laughs> didn't he didn't he try like a thousand times? Yeah. Yeah. What did what was he, what did he say? I figured out how not to make a light yeah. bulb a thousand yeah. ways, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So sometimes, you know, you have to try different things. It's sometimes it's yeah. you know, there's a variable. I always try to I don't necessarily overthink what didn't go right. Um, but what I focus is on is not so much the decisions, but the feeling behind the decision. Because mm, we know, point. we know it was a dumb decision, but we've probably went into, I should do this, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and you think that that might be, you know, as soon as you go into should land. Yeah, um, you're done. Yeah, you're done. Instead of just saying, hmm, you know, I need to honor that feeling. There, there's a reason why that feeling came up. I need oh yeah. To explore it. Yes. And you know, speaking of uh you know, bad mentor, they weren't necessarily bad, but I did have one mentor in my life who was actually a fellow uh ceramicist. And I looked up to him. He was wonderful in every way. But when I told him that I was uh I had been laid off not once but twice after 9/11, that I was going to take my part-time antique business with my husband full-time. You know mm -hmm. what he told me? Are you nuts? Have you lost your mind? Huh. You're going to be, you know, you're going to destroy your resume, your blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, he 
flat out. Yep. I look. know. He's like, kid, I'll get you. I'll find you a job. You know, I was a bookkeeper in LA. I'll, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Taking the leap into the antique business was probably the best decision. Wonderful. Not only was I able to use my business, because I'm both brained, mm -hmm. business and the creative side combined. And we actually end up in the height of our business, earning a six-figure income. Oh, good for you. Something we loved. Oh, that's even better. We had, you know, recognition in magazines. And, you know, I was like, I, I knew he meant well. But again, I didn't go into the, I almost went into the same little party as, yeah, you, I should. I just bought yep. a house and, yep. you know, my husband had a back injury, can't work. And I probably should stay with the W-2 job. And I'm like, nah, follow the feeling. Where yes. It, you know, I felt like this is where we were supposed to be. Well, then you knew. You knew. Boom. But, you know, you bring up a really important point. I think one of the jobs of a creative person, and I'm purposely not saying artists because there's so many people in so many different walks of life that are so creative. As creative people, I think one of our jobs is to avoid the negativity of others. And sometimes you can't if they're in the family. So then you just talk about the weather. You stay the <laughs> hell away from your art or anything like that. Yes, but, yes. but in terms of who you surround yourself, I, I've always talked about this with students. Does, does that friend bring out the best in you? Does it make you adventurous? Do you want to take risks? Or is that person always giving you the 50 reasons why something can't be done? And they're great reasons. And so we got to be really careful because a, a hunch for a new idea or moving to start a new business is it's like a fragile seed. And we got to be very careful who we share those things with right. because those are big dreams that need to be honored. And it's great if they can offer some suggestions. Hey, you might want to think about blah, blah, as you do this. Thank you. But when they say, oh, are you nuts? Why are you doing that? I had a gallery guy tell me, I, I, he was carrying my paintings. I said, I'm working in glass. Dead silence on the phone. And I thought, part of me was saying, why do you do that? stay with the painting stay safe stay with the painting well i didn't want to i was using 20 layers of a of a rubens glazing technique trying to make transparency and i said to somebody i'm going to make the damn thing out of glaze and then lights went off because that's what architects call glass so i pushed all the painting stuff aside ordered eight foot by three foot panels of glass had them delivered and i thought yeah the glass. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Jesus, now what? <laughs> what now? But you know what? That That is my creative process. I always throw myself into situations that I talk myself into. Then in the privacy of my studio, I go, why did you do that? You don't know what you, you know, but then I figure it out. I trust now I'm guided. Yes. Well, sometimes the negative person can be your own self. <laughs> yeah. 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 That too. That's part of it. And I, I carry that negative voice. Like, really? Who do you think you are? And then, the, But my, my better self, my artist self, self says, I'll show you. Stay tuned. Yeah. You, yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, that's, that's interesting because 
um, you know, we all have that duality. And my negative voice is not really a negative one. It's more like a drill sergeant. Mm. Um, And that's what's kind of the driving force. You know, if I start to, to... question myself i call it you know the the inner bitch comes out and corrects me doesn't allow me to think about anything negative and even if it is something negative that i have every justification i got i got my inner b going come on sister turn this around yep can you what can you learn from this keep going i got my marching orders there you you go don't you know and even if i don't know right away i now feel confident that it's going to reveal itself because oh yes that's the the big thing is the trust issue yeah where something happens and i'm like damn thought this was supposed to be something good no it's all crap and yeah yep and then i have to just kind of pull myself back don't get sucked into that that mindset that energy and just sit back and sure enough something will show up that even though i didn't think it was a great thing i didn't i had no idea knowing it shows up and it says now that falls into there you go yep there it is yep exactly yes preaching to the choir aren't i So let's let's talk a little bit because I know there I think you're you're kind of on the same we're kind of tapping into the next question question is the Hansel and Gretel trail of vague hunches, ideas, and direction. So what are now I've shared some of what I do, right? I got my inner gal coaching me, right? <laughs> you're talking about. You know, you have those moments of mm-hmm. picking up one of those little Grenzel, Hansel and Gretel and go, what the, so yeah. where does this shit go, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do, what do you do in those moments? Let's talk about your moments. Uh, I would say that um, I set myself up for those moments. Uh, for example, uh, I was artist in residence at a Catholic high school and they had just built a new chapel. And the president of the chapel showed me this window in the chapel, 14 feet high by eight feet wide. And I looked, I thought, oh my God. And he said, yes, we're going to put a big steel cross outside the front of the window. And I looked at him. I said, Joe, nobody puts a metal cross in front of a uh, a chapel. No, no, you need a three-dimensional glass window that punches out in real space with a 10-foot glass cross on limestone boulders. And I heard myself say it. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he said, show me. Because I built built four or 500 architectural models because people can't see what you're talking about. So I remember going back to my studio, closing the door. What did you do now? Was going through my head and I thought, what did you do? What are you even talking? So I grabbed the hot glue gun pieces of glass, cardboard. I went outside in the yard, got rock and stone, and I built the first redemption window. That was a three-dimensional window that actually punched out away from the exterior. And so with a 10-foot glass cross on limestone boulders, and I used glass overlays 
to interpret the gospel of Matthew, talking about dark clouds uh, forming, there was the window. And they loved it, and they commissioned me to do it. Most of my big projects, things that I've done, I've talked myself into, and I think that's part of the trust. As a younger artist, I go, my God, what's coming out of your mouth? As I'm talking very, as if I talk like this all the time, that dialogue in my head's going, are you crazy? You don't know what you're talking. And I go, yes, limestone. Bull. So when I talk myself now, when I get a hit for something, I let it come out. And I know, pay attention. There it is. And so I build models of it, you know, and figure things out. And the model I made that day, a three foot by four foot model, is almost exactly the way it turned out. Wow. So that's how I Hansel and I, I, I will follow the unknown. I trust that whatever direction I'm going, I'll figure it out. I'm guided. I feel guided. Well, we we talked about the journey, um, even if you don't know where it's going. Oh, try yeah. to be curious about that journey because something triggered inside you that got your attention in the first place. Oh, and, yeah. You know, whether or not you can move forward on it, at least pay attention to it. Absolutely. You know? I think we're the universe gives us clues all the time if we listen and look. Yes. You know, and as a younger artist, I was hell bent. Well, I'm going to do this and my work's going to do that. And I'm going to get a gallery because that's how we were educated. And somewhere along the way, I thought, you know what? Stop with the outcome. Go with the process. Stop with the out. I could hear it. Stop this. And over the years, I learned to let go of that. Yep. And go into the process of it. The revelation, the mystery, the joy, the unknown, scaring yourself shitless because you've committed to something and people are waiting for this and you got a deadline, yes. but you know, you trust. That's right. And I'll share with you, um, I recently took a remote viewing class. Good that for you. Very kind of, you know, I, I've heard about it. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. although I, I write mainly about paranormal um, events, that remote viewing was something I had always been kind of interested in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought I'd explore. And back to your point about how much information is out there and we oh. just don't know about it. The remote viewing class just blew my mind. Hmm. Now, there's times where I might touch something or see something that may trigger, but this class was, you were given a number, <laughs> a subject number, and you had no other clues. And we were just told to be quiet for like, probably not even 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And in this, I saw blue, I saw water, I saw something buoyancy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't know. None of us knew what the heck the subject was that was behind that number. Um, but when the instructor revealed the image, it was a whale in the blue water. I mean, I was blown away. Now, wow. I could see the blue color of the water, the, the kind of that dark midnight blue. I can feel something big floating wow. in the water. 
you know, and I knew, and I knew it was cold. That was the other thing too. I felt cold. I got a cold sensation and that really just blew my mind because I mean, how did, how did that happen? You know how that happens? Like you said, there is information around us. Yes. And if we tune in now in my case, it was just a big, long, whatever, seven digit number. That's all we were given. Nothing else. But here's we, you know, think about what the subject was. Here's your number to identify it. So, we, you know, we'll have numbers for different subjects mm-hmm. and bam. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And I thought maybe that was a one time hit. I took a different class four months later. Same result. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> different. Of course, it was a different. We had actually we had a person in the class who says, you know, I, I'm going to, th- you know, t- t- tell me about myself. Why well, kept seeing blue, blue. And I seen blue, a blue rose that turned into a glass that turned into a knitted blanket. So the the she f- shared that she was working on a knitted blanket with all different blue yarns. Mm. Well, so I'm like, you got to tune in. It's yes. all there. Absolutely. Yep. So I I hope if there's one takeaway, it's listen, listen, yeah. listen to your feelings, li- listen to those pings that come up and you're like, what is oh. that? What is yeah. that? What, you know, if you feel like you should decide to go take an art class at 2 p.m. in that afternoon, go find an art class at 2 p.m., right? Yep, exactly. Start looking. So yep. follow, follow the pings, follow the Hansel and Gretel pings that are yep. along your way. Yep, yes, definitely. Well, let's talk about, I know with your art, you says it's guided by your ancestors. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Well, um, there's so much to say. Uh, Let me just say, uh, we don't know who comes in with us when we're born, okay? And I believe, when I talk about my ancestors, I talk about my beloved ancestors. I don't just say ancestors, because I don't want to be bringing in people that, whoa, you just don't know about. So I always always say my beloved ancestors. Uh, Every morning I talk to them. Um, I ask them for help through my day. When I go to bed at night, I thank them. Um, it's very real to me. And I think that of all, I, I've done many things in my art life. I've built my own studio. Uh, I've constructed a seven-ton glass and steel skylight waterfall uh, in the state capitol grounds. Uh, that's pure geometry. And uh, with glass overlays. I've done so many different things. I build uh, paintings out of sheet metal and wood of industrial sites, demolished sites. So, excuse me, I, I'm really physical. And like when I built my studio, I hired these two guys. Um, I drew all the specs, the plans, laid it out, uh, research code. I'm always doing stuff like that. I'm always, and then uh, these it's like I'm guided. I my studio. I have table saw, grinders. You know, cutting steel, grinding rock. You name it, I'll do it. Um, 
I'm doing all sorts of things I don't know. I research it, but I always felt like I'm guided. When those tools are in my hand, I feel like I'm in another world. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say woo-woo. I'm not meaning that. I just feel uh, that, well, look at it this way. My parents are born in Italy. Italy is small. You go back hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years. You know, that gene pool is residing in me. And I remember writing this down. In your blood is my knowing. Hmm. And so I think that we are encoded if we listen and if we allow ourselves, you know, I could have said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do three-dimensional glass and steel. I don't know anything about, I I almost flunked geometry, you know, as in, in school, but I love sacred geometry. I love, I can see it in my head. But if you start asking me about X and Y and why they're hanging out together, I don't give a shit. I don't even know. You know, that formulaic loses me, yeah. but I can see wow. and envision. So the, the piece that I did at um, the state capitol and, and on, that, on the grounds, that was 614 pieces of cut art glass, um, 33 steel casings, and, you know, hung by unistruts, and that had never been done before. So I just feel... I don't think my ideas are that interesting. I think that I research all the time. I'm always reading. Uh, but I think that if I just left it to my own ideas, I don't think my art would be that interesting. I feel like I'm guided to explore these things, like a two-sided window. I hate flat windows. I can't stand them. <laughs> Architects will design facade, but no one ever does dimensional windows. So I built you know, 10 models of two-sided windows in the 90s. I, that's where my mind goes, but I feel like I'm guided. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure does. does. So I think we are, I think that our ancestors, the ones who love us, would really appreciate it if we wouldn't just like dash into our lives as if they're not there. I think they genuinely want to help us and guide us. You know that hunch you get where, uh, oh, maybe I shouldn't park the car there. And then when you walk by, you see there was a, someone bashed into a car. You know, yeah. those little messages. Well, where do they come from? You know? They're, they're there for your benefit. Somebody's watching out. Yeah. And I like to think a lot of somebody's. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know, Italian families, everybody has an opinion. So I ask my, like, when I yeah. wake up in the morning, I say, you guys, I've got to work on this today. I don't know jack about it. Whoever is good at this, will you come forward today? I need your help. I'm always asking for help. Yeah. Well, there's, there's information all around us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, let's let's wrap this up with a question about your podcast, because you have your own podcast, but you have something very unique about how you go about it with your guests. Okay. yes, Um, I'm a podcaster and I had to ask myself for a long time, why is an artist doing a podcast? Really? But then I thought I'm guided. Just do it. And I remember, um, as I'm, re- I, I spend weeks researching my guests. I, if they wrote a book, I'll read it. I, everything about them. But I realized nothing came together until I made a graphic about their life. 
So I start pulling images about who this person is, images of their work, and then I knew what to ask, I knew what to do. And uh, on my website, I have an archive of all the uh, podcasts I've done with the posters of each person um, that, that I've interviewed. And so when I make this poster of their life, first of all, a podcast for me is portrait painting. It's a portrait painting. That's when I figured out why I need to do it. Because I've done a lot of portraits, but podcasting is actually painting and allowing that person to reveal who they are. It's a 3D living, breathing, digital uh, portrait. So it just seemed to make sense that I'd have, of course I have to make a poster of each person. And then after, after the podcast is over, I print it, I frame it, and I send it to them as closure. Um, yeah. That is awesome. Well, one last question for you, Pat. Okay. Where can we find more about you and how do our listeners who are interested maybe purchasing your art? Well, thank you for asking. If you uh, go to my website, www.patbenincasa-art.com, or you can just uh, Google my name, Pat Benincasa, you'll go to my website. And on my website, you'll see all the pieces there. They are for sale. And you'll see uh, Filter Capacity, the podcast. My whole life is on that website. Anything you need to know, it's there. Good to know. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your fantastic insights, both on art and consciousness of art and about yourself. And I want to thank uh, all of my listeners for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, work through the process and meet others who've done it so you can be guided in your journey to writing your story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. We are looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Leap Into Your Story podcast. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.